Hi everyone, my name is Kyle Beck, and I am your host for this podcast, Diamond in the Rough. It's a sunny Wednesday morning, and for this third episode, I'm delighted to introduce to you Pastor Cho, who currently lives in San Diego, California. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Kyle. Thank you. It's great to have you here. For our viewers and listeners, could you please tell me where and when you were born, what your upbringing was like, and what was your primary reason for coming to America? Yes, um, I was born in 1969 in Seoul, Korea. Um, And um, I actually lived in Korea for about uh, eight years before our family immigrated to the United States. So, um, you know, I really didn't have a choice I just followed my parents uh, and we uh, settled in uh, Los Angeles and and I actually lived there for about uh, 30 years before moving down to San Diego. Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, I do have a question for you. When it was coming um, coming to America and being eight years old without knowing the language and the culture, how did you adapt? How did you embrace this new life that you were going to live? Yeah, you know, I think I was too young to really process all this um, change in my mind. So it's something that just happened naturally. And um, I guess more than adapting, I grew into it. Okay, so uh, even when I when we came to the United States, you know, I didn't know what immigrating was or moving to another country would be like. I think my parents just told us, you know, pack up, we're going to leave in a couple of days. So, uh, yeah, we just came, we settled in uh, Hollywood area. And um, yeah, I just remember seeing all these people that look different than me, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, you know, complexions of different color. Um, and we just, uh, we just, you know, um, made things happen along the way and we just adapted to the different challenges that came. Um, yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me when I was young in the United States was the language. You know, I didn't know how to speak English, so uh, I had to kind of figure it out, um, you know, learn along the way. Um, and uh, even making friends, it was kind of tough, but, um, you know, um, I just made it, uh, I just grew right into it. I, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I don't really look back and say, how did I go through that process? It just happened. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's such an interesting part of your story. And I, I do, I guess, sort of resonate with you on that part because, mm-hmm. we, you know, we just had to. You know, as immigrant children, we just had to mm-hmm. go to school, adapt in our own unique mm-hmm. personal ways just to right. survive and um, exactly grow here. Yeah. Um, but I do want to touch upon this um, you know, unique aspect of that. You, mm-hmm. during your high school years, you played mm-hmm. football. How was that like? Yeah. You know, um, in, in uh, high school, um, before I played football, I didn't know... Uh, much about that sport. Uh, in fact, um, I was going to a private school uh, in Pasadena, and I, I was living in East LA. So I was very uh, poor. My 
father was a janitor. Uh, he did construction on the side. And my mom worked at a seamstress factory making bare minimal. Okay. And uh, yeah, I remember she was making these um, swimsuits. Um, and, and she was getting only paid like five cents for one swimsuit. And I know that they were being sold for over you know, $20 or so at department stores. But yeah, I remember my mom and my dad, they worked really hard. Uh, they worked two jobs. My mom would bring her, uh, you know, her work to the house and we had a separate sewing machine. So she worked well into the night after she fed us. Um, so as a as an immigrant, um, I really didn't have the opportunity to learn about different sports and and stuff. So um, I didn't know much about the sport. So in high school, uh, this private school I was able to go to uh, by the grace of God on full scholarship. It was actually a very expensive high school. Um, yeah, I played football there because my friend asked me. He said, "Hey, Jung, you should come out for football." And I said, what is that? And he said, well, it's a pretty fun sport and um, it'll be fun. Not knowing how difficult it would be. So the first day uh, was the first day of Hell Week. And uh, I went out not knowing anything and not having exercised uh, too much in my life. And I remember I actually threw up three times during the warm up. That the warm up. The warm up. And so I struggled, um, but I was always a hard worker and I knew that I, I could be successful in whatever I put my mind to. So first year I did pretty well, but then uh, the second year I realized I needed to be in better shape. So all summer long I worked out, uh, lost some weight, put on some muscles, and then um, I trained really hard. And as part of the training, I actually um, pushed my Volkswagen up and down the street yeah so um living in you know in a very immigrant poor family i couldn't afford to have a nice car so um, i actually uh, worked really hard during the summer saved up 800 dollars, and then my dad uh gave me 800 dollars. so i bought my first car which was a volkswagen bug a thousand six hundred dollars and um didn't have the luxury to call AAA when things broke down. So I remember I was in uh, East LA by the East LA College with my friend uh, Ernesto. We're just kind of cruising around and then uh, the car broke down. So we're like, what do we do? You know, there's no way I'm going to call AAA or, or, or get a mechanic out here. So we decided to push it. So he and I pushed, I think, a couple of miles, a couple of miles back home. And then I realized uh, that it's a great leg workout. My legs were burning and, and, and it felt great. So I decided to push my car up and down the street. So I did that during the summer. And so the next season I came back and I was just unstoppable. And uh, that was my junior year because I started playing football uh, my sophomore year. That was my first year. Junior year and the tailback got injured and I was a fullback and so yeah I was unstoppable so uh, that year I scored I think 12 or 15 touchdowns and uh, amassed over uh, 900 yards uh, 
And then one in one game, I remember I scored five touchdowns and had over like 300 yards of rushing. So, yeah, it was fun. And then uh, after high school, I wanted to keep playing football, but I knew that I wasn't big enough or tall enough or fast enough, but I really wanted to play. So I started looking for small schools that I can play for, Division Three, And um, that's uh, when I decided to apply to uh, two schools. Um, and then um, yeah, I got into the better school and I played there for three years. Uh, the same school where the Milwaukee uh, head coach, uh, Milwaukee Bucks head coach, he graduated there, uh, I think a year after me. So uh, he and I went to the same school. Yeah, you know, I, when I found that, I tried to look for him and uh, tried to see if I remember him because the school is very small. I think we only had like a thousand people. It's been such a long time. I don't remember exactly how many, but it's, it's a very small school. Yeah, so I, I played in college for three years until I injured my uh, my neck. I had like a pinched nerve. Uh, and the doctor advised me not to play football anymore, so I stopped playing football. And then that's when I got into bodybuilding, and I did that for about two years. Yeah, so that's my uh, football journey. <laughs> I mean, that's quite a journey. I mean, yeah, you went from having your car breaking down to, you know, mm -hmm. kickstarting your football journey right there. And it's, it's crazy to see how those, you know, those simple mm -hmm. yet groundbreaking events can really, mm -hmm. you know, change your life. And oh yeah, <clears throat> it's also funny how you mentioned the Bucks because they did win the... Yeah, um, they did. They won yesterday. Yeah, so... Yeah. You know, there's also those connections that occur within those mm -hmm. schools. It's also really yeah. fascinating to see. But yeah. I, I do want to touch upon how, you know, you started working to mm -hmm. save up for your car. And yes, I feel that hard work and mm -hmm. that, that mindset is within you, is, is within oh, yeah. your mind. Definitely. It's definitely yeah. instilled within you. Mm -hmm. How did that start your entrepreneurial career? Well, you know, um, the the um, the discipline of hard work um, was something that I saw in my parents. They worked very uh, very hard. You know, when uh, we immigrated to the United States, my father was uh, 50 years old, okay, and my mom was uh, 40, uh, like 42, okay, uh, about 80 years difference. My uh, dad actually had us late, you know, so. Uh, but, um, yeah, we had a very lucrative business in Korea, lived in a very nice place, but uh, he knew that uh, the opportunity in Korea was not as great as the opportunity in America would be for us. So, um, you know, he really did sacrifice himself for our future. And I'm so grateful for my parents for that. So when they came over uh, without knowing any other skills uh, besides owning a business and my mom having never worked before I uh, started working and um, you know they worked really hard you know whatever they can get their hands on they work I remember my dad used to be the janitor at a church and then at night he would clean up 
uh, at some um, well-known movie theaters and um, outdoor um, you know, uh, theaters. And then on the weekends, he would grab some construction jobs as well. And uh, my mom would work really hard at the seamstress factory. And in fact, uh, one real quick story, my mom used to have to come back to our um, you know, area during lunchtime because my younger brother was too young uh, to go home by himself. And his school ended around noon. So she would come back, pick him up, take him back uh, with her to her work and put him in one of those uh, garment baskets while he played there. And then she would work and bring him back home. So they work really hard. They work really hard. And then uh, also growing up, I didn't have the uh, luxury or the opportunity just to uh, relax during the summer. I would have to go to work with my dad. And I remember I used to uh, go and do construction work with him at a young age. And, uh, and um, you know, as a janitor too, you know, he would uh, take me uh, to church and I would clean certain parts of the church and he would do the other part. And I remember feeling very um, challenged in the beginning of any task because we would have to make all these uh, things that I, I didn't know my dad could make, you know, like bunk beds, and addition to the room, uh, fix certain part of the houses. I didn't know he knew how to do those things. And, and so uh, in the beginning I would arrive and, and knew that it was a big task ahead of us. But then once we finished, that satisfaction was so great. I think that got me addicted to working hard, knowing that when I work hard, the reward is there at the end. Okay, so um, yeah, I've worked all my life during school, you know, while going to school, um, during the summertime. And um, yeah, I, I also did a lot of different jobs in my life as well. Okay. The variety mm -hmm. in your, the jobs that you did mm -hmm. definitely seemed to have shaped you and also the yes. circumstances that you were in. Mm -hmm. And if I may ask, how did that all shape together mm -hmm. to become the man that you are with your business or entrepreneurial work that you're doing? And also, how did that lead you to also become a pastor and mm -hmm. um, receive a degree um, at Divinity School? If you could please touch more upon that. Yeah. So... After college, uh, I started working. Um, <clears throat> I started working at uh, State Farm Insurance. I was a claims adjuster. I applied there. Um, I worked there, and um, um, no, actually, sorry, um, I picked up the job as an interpreter, as a Korean interpreter. Even though my Korean wasn't that good, okay, but I knew that. Um, my Korean was just good enough to be able to do some simple interpretation. So I signed up with an agency, uh, I worked. And then while I was uh, working as an interpreter, there was one claims adjuster from State Farm who really liked the way I interpreted. So he always would request for me whenever he needed uh, Korean services. Um, still remember his last name, Winchester. And it was a 
a very nice last name. And um, he um, liked me so much that he actually pitched me to his um, boss. And what they proposed at State Farm was that um, the reason why so many Koreans are uh, going to lawyers when they get into a, a car accident was because of the language barrier. That was their assumption. Okay, so uh, he proposed to his boss that if if we bring in a Korean-speaking adjuster, uh, that the rate of Korean uh, claimants going to uh, hire attorneys would drop. Okay, so. Uh, he asked me he asked if I wanted to come work at State Farm. So I um, jumped on the opportunity and I worked there and found out that that wasn't the case. You know, my uh, presence at State Farm didn't help them with the percentage of Korean claimants going to law offices. Um, so I worked there for a while. And then um, that's when I realized that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, I think one day I saw myself in a cubicle, you know, I was like an outer ex body experience. I was looking at myself from, from up top and I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. So then, you know, I uh, realized that uh, there was a higher calling in my life. And for that reason, you know, I prayed and received a calling from God. And then I, I went to seminary uh, to become a pastor. But um, after I graduated from seminary, um, the um, ordinary or the, um, you know, the general process from seminary is that you become a ordained pastor and you become a full-time pastor. So I tried that route and I, in fact, started working for a very prestigious church in Orange County, um, but um, I, I just could not see myself doing that full time. It just wasn't me. I don't think that's what God created me to be. Okay, so uh, for that reason, came down to San Diego um, and I picked up a um, uh, skill. I was a computer tech for a while and then I got into, um, uh, you know, network administration and then I worked as, an, uh, as a contractor for the U.S. Navy. But along the process, all the jobs that I had was as a result of uh, referral, somebody referring me, um, you know, uh, because I knew somebody. Um, and in fact, when I was working as um, the computer tech right out of Coleman College, um, there was, it, it was at a, a, um, a firm that taught software and one of the instructors uh, he really liked me. So he and I, you know, we used to uh, go to lunch and we used to be buddy buddies. And he got recruited to a, a big, um, you know, um, big firm that did uh, projects with the government. And then he asked me to come. So I actually got recruited there. And then, uh, yeah, along the way, um, you know, um, I, I worked with him for a while and then I got to know the um, civilian manager at the Naval base and, and he really liked me. He wanted me to become part of the uh, civilian, you know, uh, staff. Uh, but then my mind started 
turning and, and I tried to start a business to get the contracts. You know, why make the little money uh, doing contract as a contractor when I can make big money having a contracting company and make money off of people. So then my mind started turning and then that's when the opportunity for me to do a business outside of the Naval Base came and I, I took it. It's really interesting to see how you did mention about the referrals and how that mm -hmm. got you from places to places and how people began to yeah. recommend you mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. certain jobs and for certain right. positions. And I think yeah. that seems to be such a valuable tip mm -hmm. for a lot of people because that gets yes. you places, that gets you yeah. experience. And mm -hmm. I want you to, to ask you mm -hmm. what benefits specific benefits you reaped from that and how that is valuable to i guess mm -hmm. not just this part of your life but your entire life of getting mm -hmm. people to recommend you because of a certain skill or a certain aspect that is mm -hmm. likable and that is mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. useful in the work field that you right. are in right yeah i think uh, it's not just helpful but it is it is essential okay um you know, e even though I was referred to uh, by people from one job to another or for another opportunity, I know in the grand scheme of things, this is God's blessing and his favor and his leading and his guidance. You know, I know that, um, you know, God is orchestrating this whole thing. But along the way, he uses people. And uh, even uh, me going to a uh, very prestigious middle school in Pasadena, while I was living in East LA, one of the poorest counties of LA, was as a result of a teacher who saw something in me and he took me in, trained me for uh, about a year or so to take the entrance exam to one of the most prestigious schools in Pasadena. Uh, and I actually failed the entrance exam to that school, but because the teacher really believed in me, he talked to the headmaster and the headmaster gave me a chance. Out of the 10 people from East LA that went there on that project, I was the only one to go forward to uh, high school and then from there to a very prestigious college, okay? And so along the way, uh, my education and my business, people are very essential um, in, in, in me progressing forward. I know that uh, I, I cannot say that I built my business on my own. First of all, I give glory to God. You know, he's the one that has given me all the blessings and the opportunities. But along the way, there were essential people that led me. Um, and I'm really, really thankful to them. Okay. Um, when we first bought the business, uh, my brother and I, we, when we first bought the business, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the money to buy the business or the experience. Um, one of my, uh, friend who is actually much older than me, we used to lead, um, Bible study together in college group, uh, back when I was a college group, uh, leader, he was in the business and he's the one that asked us, Hey, you know, you should come and check out this business. I've been doing it for a while. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's good opportunity. Uh, don't think about making a lot of money, just enough to get by. And if you really work hard, this business is a great business. And for that reason, I looked into buying a business 
um, in, in that in, in that franchise. And then I met these wonderful um, owners who were um, who were really um, experienced businessmen in different fields. They actually had this franchise as a side project, as kind of like a hobby for them. And so when I talked to them, um, you know, the favor of God was upon me and, and I was able to convince them to sell me the business and also loan me the money. Okay. I didn't, we didn't have the money. And, and, and so, uh, I want to be a little bit more specific in this to show you, you know, how, how, how God orchestrated this whole thing. Um, when I first bought the business, I was working at the Naval base as a contractor and, uh, we didn't have the money to buy the business. Okay. Uh, even though the um, previous owner loaned us the money, okay, we still needed to put a little bit down. Okay. And it was orchestrated so beautifully because what happened was um, the naval, um, you know, the, the, um, my civilian supervisor at the naval base. He really liked the way I worked. So he said, John, how much are you being paid? And I said, I'm being paid only this much money. And then he was just like, that is absolutely not fair. Okay. I'm paying you four times the amount to the contracting company for your services. That's not fair. So he actually routed me through another agency and on that day, he asked me, how much do you want? And I said, I want twice the amount of money that I'm getting now, because that's what I felt that that was a fair value. And he made one call, routed me through another agency. And suddenly my um, pay went up from this amount double. Okay. And that allowed me to buy my first house. Okay. And that first house I bought was a house far away from San Diego, up north cheapest place and even that i was able to buy because my dad he gave us ten thousand dollars to buy a minivan because we had little children and i said dad i'm not going to buy a minivan i'm going to buy a house and he said how are you going to buy a house with ten thousand dollars okay i said i'm going to buy a house so everything worked out i had ten thousand dollars i had um raise in my work so we were able to buy a first house up north and when we bought the house you know I had to actually travel an hour and a half down south every day and hour and a half up north just to go back and forth. But I was glad to do it because it was our first house. The price went up $60,000 in six months. Okay, it was during the 2000 when the um, uh, early 2000 when the, um, you know, the housing market was booming. So I was able to sell that um, and then buy another house closer in San Marcos because it's closer to my work. Okay. And that house started to appreciate as well. And I had just enough equity to take out, to put a down payment on the business. Okay. So I put a small down payment and then I also asked the previous owners to loan us the money. And he was so gracious. He loaned us the money. Okay. And then we were able to buy the first business. The thing that, uh, I, really appreciate are the people who help me okay there are people who get help from people and they're not very appreciative and i don't think that's one of the worst things and it's the stupidest thing a person can do okay um they helped you you should be grateful 
and you don't know when you're gonna need their help again. And so I advise all my workers and all the young people don't ever burn bridges with your previous employers because you may need their services one day. Okay? You may need their help. And so uh, we were able to start with that business. And then, um, you know, I had a good relationship with one of the owners because there's two of them. And so I would meet with them regularly to ask about his experience as a business owner. And I would, you know, try to get some um, uh, learning on the job, you know. Um, and so, you know, he's a millionaire, but we would meet and I, I buy him lunch and he would be so happy. I just buy him like a $10 lunch. He'd be so happy. Or an hour and a half teaching me about business. Okay. And I learned so much through him. And then we built a great relationship. So then he had a better uh, business. And so I convinced him to sell me that one. And then he sold me that one. So, so we, uh, my brother and I ended up having two of the franchises and he, uh, my younger brother runs one and I uh, run the other one. And that's how it started. It is very, very important for people to understand. It is not what you know that gets you the job. It is who you know, okay? And not only that, but you should always, always, always be thankful to God and also to the people who have helped you get to where you are. Don't ever forget them. Okay? Remember them and show them your appreciation. And that is my uh, big you know, uh, recommendation for young people. Those are such powerful words. And I believe I am such a firm believer in what you said. Mm -hmm. It's about yes. the people. And as you mentioned, you give me examples of just having lunch and mm -hmm. not burning those bridges with your former employers. It's just small exactly. details in life that mm -hmm. could get you far. And it's also a responsibility for us to, to do that because I think, you know, although I haven't lived long, I personally mm -hmm. do see the the importance and the benefits of maintaining great relationships with people yes. that you haven't seen in a long time or those that mm -hmm. you've not been in close contact with, but soon mm -hmm. will probably meet in the future. Yes. And I just want to, you know, sort of finish this off asking you, mm -hmm. you know, beyond everything that you've done so far, all the accomplishments, accomplishments mm -hmm. that you've achieved, you know, where do you find the purpose in all the work that you do? Um, mm -hmm. Is it beyond just the entrepreneurial work that you do? Or is it the, and you know, what is the overarching reason that drives your entrepreneurial aspirations? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it, mm -hmm. you know, do you live by a certain mantra? You know, I would like yes. to ask you. Yes. You know, even though people know me as an entrepreneur, um, I actually don't consider myself as an entrepreneur. I consider myself as a child of God and as a pastor who's been called to uh, do the work for God's kingdom. So uh, the entrepreneurial part is just a part of my life, but my greater calling is to be part of God's greater work. You know, uh, pastoring, uh, discipling, educating, teaching. And so uh, being an entrepreneur, it helps me to um, have the opportunity and the freedom 
to involve myself in my passion, which is to do God's work. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm at a point now, uh, by the grace of God, where uh, business runs by itself. And that's where all entrepreneurs want to be. You want to be at a place where, um, you know, the business runs by itself, even if you don't, um, if you're, even if you're not there, okay? You want to make it into a self-running um, uh, machine so that you don't always have to be there. And I have the opportunity and, and then the privilege of having that. So it frees me up to do God's work, okay? And so... Yeah, uh, my purpose is to, um, you know, work for my ultimate boss, who is the greatest boss of all, uh, God himself. And um, yeah, just the privilege of being able to work for him. And so whatever he wants me to do, um, you know, that's what I want to do. And also I want to train my children, especially to be obedient to God as well and to be a hard worker uh, like mom and dad. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's podcast episode. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, please check them out on the G-Cubed website. This episode will also be posted on the website and contain all necessary information and show notes related to today's interview. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, I ask you guys for a quick favor to share this podcast to friends and family. Also, If any of you guys are immigrant entrepreneurs who are interested in sharing your story or know anyone else who is willing, please send the GCube team an email at gcubedempowerment at gmail.com so that we can share the next inspiring immigrant story for this podcast. Thank you.